0: Hey Forge family, two weeks ago in our last podcast episode the Apostle Peter was preaching to the point of tightening up the loose ends of our thinking and he used the ancient Near East illustration of of gathering up the long skirts that men would wear and tying them up into a wide belt around the waist so that they would be able to run They'd be able to move quickly and, and perhaps even, if necessary, to fight. And Peter says, get yourself in balance. Get your mind stable and sound. Those two things say, get ready for action. Next, Peter called out to those Jews and Gentile believers in Jesus who are scattered up that road through the middle of, of um, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, from from the Mediterranean coast all the way north to the Black Sea. He calls them to say, "Don't turn back in habit, mannerism, dress, speech, or behavior. Don't go back to what you embraced before. You turned away from that to Christ. Don't go back to that and get yourself re-immersed in that stuff to get camouflaged." to sort of blend in and go invisible in the midst of their culture. Now, last week I read you William Barclay's analysis of the people in that culture. If you recall, he said, those were people who were living in the ignorance of God. They were living lives that were dominated by pretty base desires. And the result of those desires and their ignorance of God resulted in Lives lived in futility, emptiness. Their lives were just void. Instead, Peter's readers were called to be holy. Now, remember that word? It's, it isn't just, whoa, I'm all fuzzy. You know, that's, that's kind of a God word. The word holy means different, pure, and other other than fleshly, other than human, other than made out of stuff, material things. Peter calls us and says, Okay, guys, you too are called to be that kind of different, that kind of pure, that kind of other. Now, we can rise to be that because Jesus Christ Bought us out of sin's penalty and sin's control with his precious blood. So let's pray as we start episode number five in this podcast on First Peter. Heavenly Father, thank you that you spoke through Holy Spirit, prompted through Holy Spirit, to touch Peter's heart, to preach this out for those believers scattered up through the middle of modern-day Turkey. 2,000 years ago, Lord, uh, we as Forge family gather to learn of you, to learn of the words, to honor the word, Lord, and, and for those who are hearing these words uh, that are in the sound of my voice somewhere out there, and we know you're there because we see the numbers, the metrics on the, on the podcast, you know, there are a whole bunch of people out there listening to these things that are not part of Forge family, Lord, you're, you're either on the earth, you're above the earth in an aircraft, perhaps you're beneath the earth, but we, we pray all of us together, and I pray for all of us together, Lord, open our hearts so that we continue to learn your ways and your priorities here in First Peter. In Jesus' name, amen. So beginning in verse 20, if you've got a Bible, go to First, uh, First Peter chapter 1, verse 20, follow along. Okay, in verse 20 it says, For he, meaning Jesus, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. This word, that Jesus was foreknown, this, this same word actually appeared back in verse 1. Step back with me. Step back, because we need to look at both of the uses of this this word in this chapter. Verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen, then to verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that you may obey Jesus Christ and be covered with his blood. Now, here's a situation in which he says, Jesus was also foreknown. Now, that word foreknown is a word that means you're chosen. You're designated to be in a position or a function, but that choice is made beforehand, far in advance of the necessity. Okay, Jesus was chosen in the councils of heaven. He was chosen for a position and a function in the kingdom of God. Okay, and this happened before the foundation of the world. In our case, as well as that of Jesus. Before the foundation of the world, the word foundation is a Greek word that describes the throwing down. Literally, to th- it means to throw down. So, picture a line of sweating workers moving in a line, carrying heavy flat stones. Behind them come those with sacks of gravel. Behind them come um, come men carrying sacks of clay, and they throw down the flat rocks. Then they throw down the crushed rock and the gravel and they work it into the cracks. And then along comes the men with the sacks of clay. And they stagger in and they throw this down and spread it out. And they lay down a foundation for a house. Here we're talking about the foundation of the world. okay? The the word for world here is cosmos. It just means an organized system. Okay, in Genesis 1.1, the cosmos, in the beginning, what's it say? In the beginning, God made heaven and earth. There, the cosmos had order. But then in verse 2, there's no order. And it's, and it's as a result of the rebellion in heaven by Satan and the fall of his angels. The fall of those who became demonic forces. Okay, You go from an orderly system to a totally disorderly system. Now here... Okay, We were chosen before the world was spoken into existence, before God cast down the foundation of the universe by his word. So in the council of heaven, Jesus was designated as Redeemer, Savior, Sacrifice. For us, for these believers in Asia Minor... We were chosen out before the foundation of the world, designated to obey, to serve, to love, and to honor Lord God Almighty. So, first, it says God raised Jesus from out from among the dead. Okay? This wasn't... Jesus on the edge of death. He wasn't in a coma. He wasn't in a swoon. He was in the midst of, and he was thoroughly dead. And God raised his son out from amongst the dead. And second, God gave him glory. Now, if you can just flip back with me. yeah. What are we not quite a quarter of an inch at least, that's what I'm working on here in, in my text. You go back to Philippians chapter 2 where it says, Therefore, after the point of death, death on the cross, therefore, verse 9, Philippians two, nine. Therefore also God highly exalted him. That's Christ. God highly exalted him. That's his son. God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in the earth and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he raises Jesus from the dead and that he gave him this glory to seat him at the right hand of God and invest him with Awesome. Power and authority, to reign and rule at the right hand of the Father. Now, for Jesus, what is the reason for that? Why would God raise Jesus, and why would God give him glory? You know, the text says so that, or because. Okay, our faith and hope are in God. He God wanted that result to be, the result of the resurrection. And the result of the glorification of his Son, God the Father, set it up. His desire was that our faith and our hope would be in him. Now, verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls with a sincere love of the brethren... Fervently love one another from the heart, for you've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and abiding word of God. Peter is is noting the fact that these people he's writing to have made progress. His readers started out in, in, in a tough situation, because when the gospel, when the good news arrived... In letters and in preachers who came up that same road ahead of Peter, there were were observant Jews living in the region. And they heard about the Messiah. And they went, whoa, I want to know him. And they received Jesus as their Messiah and moved into fellowship. At the same time, Gentile idolaters... Who had been worshipping this and that and everything. And it was dark and twisted and demonic. They heard the good news and they said, I want this Jesus. I want to leave my idols behind and I want to come into this fellowship. But they were tossed into a fellowship with formerly observant Jews, now believing in Jesus as Messiah. There were male and female, rich and poor. There were masters and slaves. There were those who washed and there were those who never washed. And they would arrive in the fellowship, filthy. And they all gathered up in this fellowship with Christ. So part of this, what had happened previous was, there was the difficulty of sort of phonying up your care for each other. And I've watched this in churches now for 47 years, personally, um, where you, you kind of put on your face and say, yo, Joe, I'm going to breathe from my mouth here because I just can't stand the smell of this guy. Doesn't he ever use soap? Oh, my gosh, it's just awful. Yo, Joe, how is it going? Yeah, you moved a lot of stone this week, I can tell. Well, that's great to see you here in the fellowship. Yeah, have a great, great time this Sunday. God bless you. And then try to get away from him so you could breathe again. See, it was that phonying up kind of thing. It was wearing a mask. It was passing judgment on someone out from behind this mask. where you're smiling, but you're saying, oh, can't he wash? Oh, you know, can't she get over her critical attitude? Oh, you know, etc. So the people that Peter is writing to, he notes the fact that they've made real progress in this area of loving one another. Okay? He says, since you have in obedience to the truth, you purified this stuff out of you okay and now there's this sincere unhypocritical love for one another genuine care for one another okay that, that love is phileo it's the basis for the word our word philadelphia which means brotherly love or or uh, you know the a town in which brothers love one another okay this is a situation where they had honestly shifted into a place where they loved and cared for each other as family Then, Peter's going to continue. But first, I want you to hear firsthand uh, the kinds of things that Janice and I experienced 45 years ago when the Jesus movement burst upon the San Francisco Bay. And specifically in Palo Alto, we were interns in a church at that time. And the Jesus movement came out of a time of great darkness, great need. But there would be people who would stream into a Sunday night service called body life we packed the house 1200 1300 people who would come in and they were some of them were hippies and drug users they they embraced free love they were unwashed people by and large and they would find themselves sitting next to a stanford heart surgeon or in the midst of a mom and her kids some of them were street people who were sitting next to real estate brokers or stock brokers and, you know, there were times when you could be in that room and you kind of went, oh man, that's pot. That Somebody just, just, someone's a stoner here. Okay, but they, you have to realize, one hour before, that man may have been sitting in a park with his guitar with a broken heart. And someone came to him and told him about Jesus and how to become a son or a daughter of the king. And in the last hour, He had said, Jesus, I want you in my heart. And then he got brought to church. Well, you know, his hair hadn't been washed in Lord knows how long. And he hadn't seen, he hadn't personally seen a bar of soap. But he was sitting in this gathering of brothers and sisters who were learning to phileo each other, to care for one another as family. Okay, and it wasn't phony. Okay, there was indeed... Love for one another, for the brothers. Okay. Now, what Peter does, he goes on, he says, you guys have done this too. You've been obedient to the truth, you've purified your souls, and now you're loving one another from the heart. And then he turns and he says, "I, I, I directly order you, you fervently love one another from the pure heart. Okay, this fervent love is, is one that has great power to change cultures. I want, and I want you to hear what, what um, Kenneth Wiest has to say about this verse. Okay, I'm going to read a portion here of, um, of verse 22. Uh, Kenneth Wiest was a Bible teacher at Moody Bible Institute back uh, probably uh, 60, 70 years ago. And he, he did some excellent work for those of us that are not Greek scholars he, he translated it and he taught into it in English. So this is what this is how he treats verse 22. He says, From the heart, love each other with an intense reciprocal love that springs from your hearts because of your estimation of the preciousness of the brethren and which is divinely self-sacrificial in its essence. You know what he's talking about here? He's talking about agape love. He's talking about the love that has its root in God alone. He's saying, press in, keep going, learn to love one another as God loves you. Because that greatly supersedes the phileo, the brotherly love. Now, in verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, the living and abiding word of God. The reason that you are changed inside is because the word of God, the word of the Lord, stands and it lives forever. In verse 24 and 25, then Peter shifts and he dives back into the Old Testament. He goes to Isaiah 40. This is the introduction to the section that's called the Servant Psalms in Isaiah, where he points uh, where Isaiah... Prophetically is pointing forward to Messiah. He's pointing forward to the one who is the servant of God, the Yvet Yahweh. And in and Isaiah 40, you know, and 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 Peter modifies it a little bit, but he's drawing directly from um, Isaiah 40 verses 6 to 8. He says, "For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers." the flower falls off. You know, here, here in California, this is the season of the year when all the hills have gone brown. All the grasslands, the rolling hills that were green and vibrant and filled with wildflowers, now we're in summertime, and those hillsides look burnt brown. Okay, that's the picture. Flesh is like grass but grass withers, okay? Their glory is like the flower of the grass, but the flower falls off. In the season that passes, verse 25 says, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Seasons come, seasons go. There's there's green season and there's parched season. And then lastly he says, and this is the word which was preached to you. You were the readers in Asia Minor. Forges, you know, that's you guys. And, and brothers and sisters who are scattered and hearing this podcast, you were saved by the word that was preached to you. It is the living and abiding word of God. So Forge family, in verse one, you know, we were known before the foundation of the world. It wasn't just, it wasn't just, the council of heaven that goes, hmm, look down there. There's messaker and Maddie and Joya. over there's John and Maher and Maria. And then, oh, what's next on the agenda? There wasn't a passing on. There was instead a choice made to designate each of you and each of us into a position in the kingdom of God. That's just like Jesus You know, back in verse 20, he says, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Okay? There's this council in heaven with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they go, oh, look, there's going to be a need for a Savior. Well, hmm, we'll have to think about that. No, they didn't do that. They pressed into that, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, the Son of God said, here am I, send me. That's mirrored in the words of Isaiah, if you recall. Okay, I will be the Savior. I will be the sacrifice. I will be the Redeemer. So Jesus is chosen out and designated to a position in the kingdom of God. And now, he is the risen king that we honor and love and obey and serve. Forge family, we've been called to love one another with pure hearts. You know, I can see that happening. There is change evident in Ford's church. Okay? You are being obedient to that truth. But now Peter says it, and I say it, fervently love one another just like God loves you. And it's that obedience that will make a difference in this culture. It's going to make it has made a difference in church, okay? It's going to make a difference in the culture around you. And that obedience will make you holy. Remember, holiness and obedience are two sides of the same coin. So as you're obedient to love, to extend the love of God to each other and to those around you in the culture, okay, God is going to make you holy, and different, and other, and make you his own. All right, Forge family, and my brothers and sisters, I love you. We'll see you soon. God bless you.